well, people assume that there are a lot of lies and games and that sort of thing going on. So I, I think looking at the lobbying field, I was determined from the very outset, both working on Capitol Hill and as a lobbyist, that I would be a truth teller, that I would be known for integrity. My character issues would be my brand. Uh, that I, my yes would be yes and my no would be no, that I would tell the whole story um, that if you took this position or if you agree with us, here's who's going to come out swinging for you. But here's why you should still be with us anyway. So. I'm Hannah Stoles. Welcome to Integrate, the podcast about faith and integration of work. I'm here with my co-host, F.T. Chong, and we are so excited to be launching season three, episode one, with our guest today, Leslie Dunlap, who's the founder and CEO of Dunlap Consulting Group. Leslie is a specialist in internet and technology policy with over 25 years of experience in the formation of law and regulation. So she's focused in her current practice on state legislation in the areas of privacy, data security, and online consumer protection. So we're gonna have an amazing conversation today with Leslie. So excited to have you with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we want, let's jump in. Let's let's jump in with your story and kind of hear a little bit from you. You know, we've had a lot of guests on the podcast that have really um, led big companies, been CEOs of large organizations, and you have a little bit of a unique story that I think you're our first sole proprietor, and you have been so successful in a in a really unique space. Um, and then FT, after we hear some of Leslie's stories, if you could jump in and we'll talk a little bit about uh, our SQ, our social quotient. But Leslie, let's start off just with kind of hearing about your journey. You're a Wheaton alum. You've built a company. Um, what does faith look like for you in this and this journey that you've had. Sure. Um, I'm happy to tell you a little bit about it. I, I was a political science and urban studies major um, or minor for the urban studies at Wheaton. I think it was the first year that they even offered that. Um, so I knew I wanted to end up in a city and we uh, came to Washington, D.C. My uh, I was engaged when I first came um, to another Wheaton graduate and uh, he was finishing a, a degree out in South Carolina, excuse me, Southern California, <laughs> uh, USC. I now have a USC uh, student, um, South Carolina. So it's, it's a rivalry in our family. Anyway, um, I started working for a member of Congress who was from Illinois. I had been an intern during my Wheaton years and I continued to do that. I had also done an internship for, um, for the National League of Cities. And so there were, and that was in technology issues, which really was just coming online um, literally at the time. So Mosaic was coming out, the internet was starting to become a more public thing. And there wasn't really any um, public policy around it. Mm. So I started working for this member of Congress, um, doing justice issues, the Hunger Committee, um, you know, how housing and urban development was a big part of uh, the Republican social agenda. At the time, um, Bush was president, uh, George, uh, <laughs> yes, Walker. Um, and uh, Bush won. 
and Jack Kemp was the Housing and Urban Development Secretary. So I was really inspired by uh, him in particular to think about a, a different way of um, looking at social justice and using public policy to do that, not just the church. Um, I wanted to live in the city, work in the city, go to church in the city, and was involved also with some social programs um, that were run independently, both for crisis pregnancy centers and for tutoring young students um, and looking at uh, ways to get at urban development, what kinds of jobs would be available. So that was that was sort of my early years working on Capitol Hill. And then I went to become a lobbyist. So I worked on the Telecommunications Act for um, almost three years before it became law in 1996, and then went to cable and wireless, which uh, actually didn't did undersea cable, not cable TV, and the wireless was Marconi's wireless business, not your typical cellular. So it was very different, uh, but it was um, getting into, at least when I went there, uh, consumer internet services. They sold that shortly after, and I stayed for just a couple of years. Um, it was a British company, so it was a really different approach. Uh, to government. They have a different governmental system. And then uh, went on to um, to Yahoo. Mm. And that's really where my career uh, sort of blossomed. I was there for 10 years as a lobbyist and then two years as a, uh, as a leader of a compliance team. And uh, so I had a, a lot of experience in terms of management, in terms of um, integrity issues. Lobbying is not known for people who are, um, well, people assume that there are a lot of lies and games and that sort of thing going on. So I, I think looking at the lobbying field, I was determined from the very outset, both working on Capitol Hill and as a lobbyist, that I would be a truth teller that I would be known for integrity, my character issues would be my brand, uh, that I, my yes would be yes and my no would be no, that I would tell the whole story, um, that if you took this position or if you agree with us, here's who's going to come out swinging for you, but here's why you should still be with us anyway. So it was, um, you know, it, it is a form of sales. I really consider it more education. Um, and helping people understand why they should be on our side, um, but being really clear that there are others who disagree. And so if you take this position, you need to be prepared for those who, um, who believe differently. And at the end of the day, you know, a lot of legislators are trying to do the right thing. They don't understand the ramifications of everything that they're putting forward. So you have to help them understand what those things are. Uh, and then you let them decide. Sometimes it's a, we just, a, we, di we disagree and you either win or lose on the votes. So you've probably gathered that my field is, is public policy and the formation of policy versus selling a product. Um, it's not your typical business. We don't have widgets. We, we don't have a supply chain, <laughs> um, although there is forecasting and planning, uh, certainly. Well, data, data and information could be your supply chain. We, yes, uh, yes. Helping uh, make sure that people understand and are educated in a timely manner and um, in time for them to make decisions that they have to make. 
And so I don't really have, you know, a lot of experience with, um, with, you know, some of the typical business issues like supply chain vendor management, that sort of thing. But I do um, really believe that uh, management is quite important. And I did that for a number of years with a team um, leading by example in that way, as well as really focusing on how do you encourage, how do you equip uh, these people who are coming up under you um, and and allow them to grow and reach their potential using their gifts in the way that makes sense for the team. Yeah. Um, however, when I left Yahoo, um, there were you know five different CEOs in a two-year period. I was leading a compliance team. I had six different direct reports, and the the change was that um, I was going to need to be in California half time, and I live um, out by Washington D.C. So um, I took a break and said, what do I want to do next? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? I actually spent a lot of time doing a number of the things that college students do, um, you know, doing Strength Finder, doing Enneagram, doing a lot of these kind of coaching things. I even did a, a reverse um, uh, Quaker kind of meeting where instead of um, me having one thing that I knew I was going to do and them asking questions about it. I had them ask me questions about to help define mm -hmm. where I should go and, and had some great uh, friends and professionals helping me during that time and eventually realized that my gifting is um, really advising and mm -hmm. being able to uh, translate a lot that I've learned in terms of policy very quickly for certain business models. Um, and to be able to offer that expertise in a very quick manner to um, equip these other teams to make decisions internally. So I had both experience with what can a company do? That's really the public policy space. What's legal? What's allowed? Are there bills or policies coming down the pike that are going to limit your options in providing products and services? Um, or uh, what should you do? And that is what does the, the company decide is going to be their internal policy? How are they going to respond to culture and to um, laws and go beyond them in some ways versus, you know, what's the very edge of the law? So it's really risk management is my field. And if you're going to deal with um, risk, you're going to need to be trusted. So integrity is... I think a, a character trait that all Christians should have. Um, mm -hmm. And certainly Jesus was very forthright <laughs> even when the message wasn't um, going to be received well, but um, you know, to do it in a, in a winsome way. And I think mm -hmm. that that is um, for a sole proprietor. When I went on my own, it's absolutely my own brand and I have mm -hmm. to be trustworthy and I have to be known for doing things well. Um, I think not having a team to guide me um, or to be or to be guiding is um, is actually not that different. Uh, the people that I work with now are sort of filling those roles. Mm -hmm. So my clients become um, sometimes my team if I'm mentoring them or if uh, they need to be trained because they're new to the company. 
um, to help them get up to speed and learn the issues. Or sometimes it's, you know, well, often I have a boss that in in the client relationship who is managing me. Um, So those relationships are still there. And I think that um, learning how to manage within those relationships is also a big part of business life, whether you're a sole proprietor or not. Yeah. Um, you know, so maybe I'm not making an uh, impact well, whether I use uh, environmental. I think we, I think we need to um, in the um, the the write up uh, for for the podcast. We need to put your detailed bio because you've done a lot of things with a lot of brand name companies like Yahoo and government and all of that. Um, yeah, I think my LinkedIn has all of that. Okay. Yeah. Um, let me ask you a couple of questions. So we, we started this broadcast on a little bit of an idea that um, <clears throat> we all should have SQ, which is your spiritual quotient, on top of IQ and EQ, which are important. And then uh, this this is the third season, and um, the whole COVID shutdown really brought to the forefront <laughs> the need for some spiritual uh, strength uh, to give you resilience and all of that. Um, so let me just jump right in and ask you a question. Um, like a, um, say high school football coach, right? You're hired to win, (laughs) not necessarily just to develop character. How do you balance that in your projects that you undertake, which I assume your, your main, your customers are companies that want to achieve a certain objective, which is commercial, right? How do you how do you how do you balance that out with uh, uh, the truth? Or, or yeah. Or... Well, number one, I don't take clients I can't agree with in terms mm. of my philosophies, and that's part of why on my on my website, um, you know, as a sole proprietor, I'm not trying to win a lot of clients from my website. I just want them to understand where I stand and the approach that I take and, and a little bit of my experience. So that is, um, you know, first and foremost, can I take this client on? Is this something that I agree with? Um, yeah. Then secondly, I think um, not everyone has that um, luxury. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly there were times in my life where I worked with uh companies or a member of Congress where I couldn't agree with everything and you figure out if it's a make or break for you because there are other, you need to see the whole picture, the whole tapestry. And if there are some snags in one part of it, you know, is it everything in this world is broken, right? Mm -hmm. So what can you do to be redemptive in that environment? Um, So I'm not advocating only, um, working with other Christians or only working in a, in a field that you absolutely believe is your, um, is, is your, uh, that you're driven to because that's, because all areas of life need redemption and need, uh, people to be truth tellers and need people to be honest brokers. Um, so I think that that is one of the, you know, stepping into that field at the outset was my approach. I think another is having grace for myself and others. Um, I think this is especially something that our world is learning. Our culture is learning in the, in the midst of COVID. Um, I think that um, 
our American culture has been so focused on individual um, individuality, uh, individual success. Um, it's all about me and whether this is good for me, whether I like this, whether um, it's a good fit for me. And there are elements of that that are good, but there are elements of that that are just absolutely not biblical in my view, sure. that um, Jesus calls us to community. He calls us to care for one another. He calls us to be sensitive for, um, you know, to others' needs and to put others before ourselves. And I think that that also means that we need to, even in a work culture, not just in a our church environment, see the needs of those we're working with, see the needs of those who um, owe us something whether it be financially or this project is due and have grace for them and have grace for yourself when you're overrun, when you're, you have too much to do to just be honest with um, your clients. Hey, I need more time. Hey, I messed this up. This is another part of being a truth teller is to also admit your mistakes. It's not common. I think um, other than there's sort of a Silicon Valley, oh, I'm going to learn from my mistakes. Every, every mistake is actually an opportunity. It doesn't feel like it when you do it. And yeah. a lot of people want to cover them up and they yeah. want to hide them and they don't want to put it forward. And I think being part of um, an honesty in, in your workplace culture um, mindset is to be forthright about, you know what? this didn't work out the way I thought it was going to, or I forgot, or I just couldn't get it done. You know, whatever it is, it's, um, you know, don't yeah, make excuses. Sure. <laughs> have, you, have you made the other, the other part of a, a mistake, which is you want something, you, you advocated for something, you want something, and then you realize later that was a mistake. You advocated for something that was wrong or bad for them. I'm not sure. Okay. So the, the big macro issue is I've been involved in internet policy from the very beginning and yeah. starting to set up the frameworks to allow the internet to thrive and grow. And I think at the beginning, we were all the golden children, you know, we're, we're, everything we're doing is perfect and right. And I think we're understanding now that there are consequences that we didn't anticipate in the way that we set up the structures yeah, and yeah. that there are things about um, our American values of free speech, which um, brush up against uh, cultural values of, um, of dissension um, and different views. We have different yeah. views in America yeah. uh, about what is right and what is wrong. And there is a raging debate about that right now, about how much um, censorship or control governments or people who don't agree are going to have over these platforms, which have become very, very pervasive in our society. Yeah, and who, who determines what is fake news and what is not fake news, right? right. Which is every day right now. It's uh, Right, yeah. right. And so everybody's accusing yeah. everybody else of fake news. Exactly. When you when you don't agree, it's fake. Um, but I think when you had essentially, you know, three uh, broadcasts, companies and newspapers, that was one era. And then you had cable companies and satellite companies who could provide some competition and could provide some additional voices. And that was another thing. But now you have this marketplace of ideas, which originally we thought everyone would be listening to everyone else. But what has happened is that there are siloed uh, groups and people are listening to echo chambers 
um, of people who agree with them and not understanding, not even listening to other viewpoints. Um, So that has been a real challenge for me to think about, oh, you know, were some of those foundational uh, laws that we put in place uh, healthy? Yeah. And were, or were they healthy at that time? But yeah. now they need change. Yeah. Yeah. So I and, think that, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I, um, this country, you can never get consensus. <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. It's just two extremes and not much coming right. out of the middle. You talked about accountability from your clients. Um, mm-hmm. You have accountability outside of your clients, people who are one step removed. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad you raised that. That's actually is one of my takeaway points, I think, for for everyone in business is that you need an accountability structure outside of your business, perhaps a small group within your business as well. If you if you are part of a larger business of folks that are like minded in terms of faith that can hold you accountable to the types of things that you do from day to day that you can that you know everything from you know taking the pens home to um oh there is this really big issue going on at work and i don't know how to step into it as a christian i don't know what that looks like and have them talk through it with you have them you know use scripture to help you understand um and to pray with you um, I think it's iron sharpening iron. It, it is having a group of people that are um, who know you, who really yeah. know how you work and how you tick and what your strengths are. It's yeah. it's friend group, but a friend group that can um, can understand your context and can understand, you know, God's laws and, yeah. and the spirit's movement. Yeah. So these are people that you have met over time. Who are Christians, or maybe not Christians, but that you yeah. respect and absolutely. Truthful. You know, when I talked about the the time before when I had this group of of folks come over and help me do discernment for what was next, um, mm-hmm. some of them came from church, some of them came from the lobbying world, some of them came from the business world, some of them came from trade associations. Um, I would say about three quarters of them were Christians or had a worldview that understood that. And some of them weren't, but they knew me really well. And that was important for um, having having somebody speak into um, what are your strengths. And um, and also it gave other people a view into what's important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is a big part of um, being a Christian in the workplace is uh, being able to be forthright about who you are. And uh, in today's culture where everyone gets to talk about who they are and be validated for who they are, we we do too. Mm-hmm. And I think it's okay to be really clear about what motivates you, what drives you, how do you make decisions, and what is important to you. Uh, and if faith is part of that, then it's okay. And you should be really clear about it. Yeah. I it's interesting, you know, we in in what you've said about, you know, listening on the internet and whether that happens or not and then listening to people around you. Um and I know that, you know, I'm I'm a Proverbs fan. I love wisdom literature in general, but and so we know that wisdom is found in the counsel of many. You know, there's something really wise about going to people and kind of talking through next steps and all of that. Um but in the space of listening, how do you listen to God? 
how do you hear from God? And and we can hear from God through people, but do you have things that you've seen over over the course of you know making professional choices where you know you've heard from God or you've you know what what are your tools? I guess um, yeah. your relationship with God. <laughs> Absolutely, um, prayer is a big one. I think, um, again, putting these situations in front of others um, and being honest about what is it that's triggering me about this? What am I upset about? Why, why, is, why does this hurt or why does this seem like a conflict? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I'm glad you mentioned Proverbs because one of my guiding verses for life really is um, Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. And a lot of people know 5 through 6, but they don't know 5 through 8. And it's trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Hmm. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your very bones. Um, that second part of not being wise or thinking that you have all the answers is super important. Um, fearing the Lord, um, holding him in the top place in your life is so crucial. Um, it, it is absolutely important that we understand that God comes first and that, you know, in our society, we uh, want achievement and achievement's not bad. But what is your priority? And the priority needs to be um, God's priorities. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we take uh, sometimes a a rest break from normal life. Um, actually, I was just uh, thinking about it last night. We need to take a fear break, fear of God break once in a while to remind <laughs> ourselves uh, to renew, uh, refresh our awe, awe of God, you know, and, yeah. and to kind of reset the perspective. Uh, we you know it's like treating God. Uh, like a pussycat when he's more like a lion, right? Yeah. So, uh, you may have yeah. that relationship, but he's a lion. He's not a. He's not <laughs> just a little pet from the house. Um, right. And so, yeah, when you say fear the Lord, it's uh, it, that it, awe it, is so. We need important. to renew that awe once mm-hmm. in a while. A, yes. a fear break. And your point about taking a break in general is another one of the tools in my yeah. toolbox. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that awe um, comes from spending time with the Lord, and you need you need that um, you need the Sabbath. We're commanded to have a Sabbath, but in addition, you really need to be resting from your work. And we're not designed to work all the time. We are designed to have um, you know the ups and downs, and so carving that out, especially when you're a sole proprietor, and trusting that God is going to provide when you. Um, when you stop is, is really so important. (laughs) I just, I can't emphasize how important it is. You need to have boundaries. You need to have times when you don't respond to clients, you need to be renewing. Um, And that is what God says he's going to do for us. He's going to be springs of living water in our souls. So uh, that is super important. Um, I think one of the other tools in my toolbox is uh, to realize that we're gifted differently. So um, 1 Corinthians 12, really the whole chapter is focused on the gifts of the Lord and the the body of Christ. Um, But it extends to um, 
not theologically, but the, the metaphor extends to the workplace. Yeah. Um, not everybody has the same gifts. That's why you have teams. Right. And so you need to realize that, or I need to realize that in the people I'm working with, I have my strengths and hopefully in my sole proprietorship, I have, I have honed in on what I'm the best at. But that means I'm not good at everything. Not everyone is good at everything. Maybe Jesus, but not us. And so we need to respect that others have strengths and weaknesses of their own as well. And to be able to say, um, I can't do that. So I need to find a, a, a person or an app or something to manage that for me. Um, but also that um, I can't say you're not important. I can't say because I disagree with you or I have a conflict with you or whatever that that you're not um, your ear isn't as important as my knee. Yeah. And I need to hear what you have to say and I need to respect it. Um, and that is really hard when we disagree with someone to to respect where they're coming from. But we need to do that. And I think that that's um, just another one of those tools in terms of how do I integrate my faith? into my work is listening to others and realizing that I'm really good at some things, but I'm not really good at everything. Yeah. So how do I let others speak into that? That's state? probably my greatest weakness in that I try to like, you know, I'm a lousy backseat driver. I put my hands on the steering wheel. <laughs> uh, so I will make it a point to teach myself some things about that. <laughs> well, if you're a problem solver, you know, you want to try to find a way through, find a way that works. But, um, you know, we don't have the full picture. You, you get as you get as much information as you can. You you pull it all together, but you're you're making that decision based on what you know and and your own history and your own experience, and hopefully you know some prayer put in there. Um, but you you can't uh, you can't be fully informed. Yeah. So we're zooming through a lot of stuff, but Leslie from what you've just said to us, I would say I would encourage you to write an article or write a book. Oh my goodness. <laughs> go back, go back to this podcast and make some notes. And I think there's a lot of wisdom that you have. That, oh, uh, thank you. Right, um, at least an article. <laughs> well, um, I do, I actually talked to Wheaton students, um, Captain Iglesias' class, which mm -hmm. I think he's passed on to, um, Someone else. Oh, I'm so embarrassed that I'm not remembering her name. Oh, Bonnie Orsbacher. She yes. taught it recently. Yes. 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 And so there is some of this in terms of um, thinking through a lot of the vocational work I've done with Wheaton and, um, you know, what do I want to tell students? I have thought about some of this a lot. Um, but uh, so I do share it in that context. But thank yeah. you for that encouragement. Maybe someday I will do that. So I have one, uh, one question for you. Um, sometimes there are good causes, but the people who are enthusiastic about it that you may be working for are so, so convinced that it, what they say turns into hype versus the truth, right? So mm -hmm. I give you an example, uh, global warming. Um, you can't, from both sides, you only hear they're utterly convinced of their side of the argument. And <clears throat> I feel like sometimes the hype uh undermines the integrity of the person's speaking of whatever you're promoting so you're like oh yeah it's global warming and we're all gonna die in four years uh it 
you know, the global warming part may be right, but they're all dying in four years part maybe undermines your own statements. How do you how do you modulate your client or whoever's statements? Yeah. I, I think that becomes the um it's the mandate to be truthful um, and to not exaggerate. Hmm. Um, you know, so much of marketing or the press journalism is um, sensationalism. And it may be partially true, but is it fully true? Um, and so much of policy is uh, folks coming up with, you know, who can we get to support this claim? How can we get some research funded to do this or that? Um, it's it, it becomes sort of stretching the truth. Mm -hmm. And I think um, there is an element of public policy that also allows for incrementalism. So, you know, solving a part of the problem, not trying to bite off the whole thing at once, that is one way to modulate that FT. But I think also um, just being really clear that, um, well, I'm in the in the part where we're actually writing, you know, the language. So it's, yeah. it's a little bit easier. But I think if you're in those fields that are focused on yeah. trying to build, you know, sometimes it's helpful to have someone out here and someone out here and you can come to the middle, you know, in terms of, of where policy ends up. But you can't do that if there's not someone out here and someone out here. So there are people who focus on on that. And I think... Um, you know, it's it's harder to be a truth teller in some of those fields, and we need people who are willing to do that. I think um, we have just a, a few minutes as we kind of wrap up here, um, and we always want to take you know some takeaways, some things we can practically apply um, from our conversations. And um, Leslie, I I was really inspired. You know, you've been in a field that has changed a lot and has required you to continue learning and. Um, it's not surprising to me at all that Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 is a is a guiding verse because, you know, there's a lot of fields that we go into that are going to, they're changing even faster. You know, it seems like then, you know, what, what business and what, you know, policy and all of those things look like in the past because change is at a faster pace. And so I think that that posture of humility and honesty and integrity that we don't have, we don't have to lean on our own understanding is really huge because sometimes we don't um, take risks or go into fields because we think we have to know it all. And I think this is a really, it was a really good reminder to me like, yeah, that's right. We don't have to know it all. We're going to be constantly learning. It's going to change anyway. Yes. Um, and so I think my takeaway is, you know, when we walk with God, we, we need to be faithful, but we don't have to know it all. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and uh, I think that's just such a great, a great reminder. So if you had something and then after you like, uh, I'd love to hear something that you've taken away from today. But Leslie, if you had something that you wanted to say to students, like do this tomorrow or, a, you know, a young business leader or somebody just going to the office tomorrow, what yeah. is one thing that you would tell them to do? That would just help us to serve God with every day of our lives. Um, so there are a couple things. One is uh, reminders that God is Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. I think <clears throat> especially in work, we are driven to say, I've got to do this. I've got to pick the best job for my whole future, as mm -hmm. if our work defines us. And I think re re being reminded that God is the one who provides for us um, is so, so important because we're all worried about paying the bills. 
Um, mm -hmm. That's really important. I think also acting in love. Um, so much of our society and so much of business is, you know, these pseudo um, rivalries between the competition, between different parts of the company, all of those things. Don't do anything from vengeance. This mm. took me a long time to learn, especially in a field that is politically driven, right? We need to um, see not things as us versus them, but that every single person has the image of God in them. Um, every single person, and that we are commanded to love our enemies. So we need to do that. And then I think not being naive, there is evil out there. Um, Self-interest is not benign. Mm -hmm. So you absolutely need to put on the full armor of God and spend mm -hmm. some time in scripture to look at what that is and how that plays out in your life. Spend time looking at what each of those elements are. Um, and then we talked about accountability before, you know, have find a group of people who you trust. Um, and it may be two, two sort of levels. One is sort of mentoring people that mentor you, especially if you're young in your field. Um, and they don't even have to be in your field, but people that you trust that, that are older uh, or more experienced, perhaps. Mm -hmm. um, certainly someone younger can be more experienced in what you're what you're jumping into and people who know you um, and, and can guide you. And then uh, I finally would say, be willing to give up success um, mm. as the world sees it to yeah. gain that which uh, is more precious. And um, you know, the, the, we, we constantly hear, you know, I could gain the whole world and lose my soul. Uh, for Christians, that is absolutely true. And so it doesn't mean that we won't have success, but we absolutely need to start up by by not seeking first um, that success. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. So I think that's sort of my, my short list. That's a, that's a whole encyclopedia there. I know, I love it. <laughs> Sorry, it wasn't just three points. <laughs> I, I can't add anything. It's so comprehensive. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much. I think at the back of it all, the most important thing is our relationship with God because he's preparing a group of people to live with him to in eternity, right? So, and it's not the job, it's... That's the training ground, you know, that's the, that's the place where we will experience challenges and pain and uh, troubles so that it helps to develop our relationship. Great. And it absolutely can develop your character. You know, we, we spend so much time at work that we absolutely have to find ways to live out our Christianity at work because that is, you know, at least half of our lives. Yeah. I think um, that, that quote, self-interest is not benign and thinking about the role of the armor of God, you know, which is all aside from the Holy Spirit, which is the sword of the spirit and the word of God, it's all defensive, right? Armor is to protect you from the evil that is around us. And uh, Leslie, thank you so much here for sharing your story. Um, so many insights. I totally agree with FT. We love interviewing book authors. So when your book comes out, we have more than a million copies, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you definitely raised me on, so um, I'm working towards it. But we, yeah. we would love. Well, we would love if you, uh, if if I ever follow up on that, I'll have to call Hannah and figure out how it's done. <laughs> Um, you've given, uh, you, you know, we covered a lot of grounds, and I'm really happy we, uh, we, you're the first guest of season three because we can, we can uh, go back, take some notes, and then maybe our new other guests can, uh, can we can explore some of these topics uh, yeah. in more detail. But thank you, it's great. Yeah. And Leslie, would you be willing just as we close, just to pray, pray for us for that armor for our ability to hear and to not be wise in our own eyes. Absolutely. Yes. Um, Lord God, we just thank you that you are worthy of our awe and our praise and that you are the uh, creator of all things. And the way that you've created us is special, um, each one of us. So help us in our work life to acknowledge that and to see that in in the lives of those we work with in what we do with our time in in the way that we do it and i pray lord that you would help us to be equipped as we walk into that that you would show us how our time spent with you our time spent in your word our time spent with others that know you and can help us um, sharpen our focus um, and sharpen our understanding of faith, um, that you would use all those things to, um, to equip us to go into a work environment, which is necessarily of this world um, and is, um, is in all aspects of life um, seeking to, to bring change and to bring solutions and to meet needs, but that um, you would use our creativity in the way that you've made us to honor you. So I pray this for each person that hears this, watches this, and um, is is uh, seeking to follow you. In your name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Leslie, thank for you. joining us. We have Leslie Dunlap with us, founder and CEO of Dunlap Consulting Group, and this is Integrate Faith and Innovate, the podcast with practical tips for faithful decision making in everyday business. Thank you so much, Leslie, for joining FTNI. Um, with just a great conversation. Thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure. Have a great day. Bye bye.